Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 627. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And I always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Two quick plugs before we get started here today. One is we have a Zen Talk on Monday. So it's six days from now. Uh, that's November 22nd. If you're interested in um, talking to Kathy and I, um, how do we talk? How do we want to talk about Team Zen, sweetie? What you're better we're, at. We're always I'm. coming up with new ways to explain. So if you are seeking some support, some community, you would like to ask Todd and I a personal question. We Team Zen is all about finding those people from all over the globe. It's an international group. And people who are looking for the same things you are, including Todd and I, we're all in this together. And But we have these live talks where you can actually ask a question and be like, here's my specific situation. Now, what's super cool, because Todd and I have been doing this for a couple of years, is of course we give some input or we offer some resources, but it's the other people in the group who really offer some interesting ideas or yeah. just the idea that they're having the same experience so you don't feel alone. So it's uh, 25 bucks a month to do it, but the first month it's free. And we've done 120 some of these. So when you sign up, you get access to all of the first 120. It's like another podcast. It's another podcast that you can listen to or get on live when we do it live. And the other thing I want to promote is Jason Gaddis. We had him on our podcast a month or two ago. He wrote a book called Getting to Zero. We're happy to say that Jason is going to be getting on with us live. Now, it's going to be a men living event, but it's open to all genders. So I'm hoping anybody who was moved by Jason's uh, podcast that we did with him, um, please join us. It's on Monday, December 13th at 7 p.m. And uh, we named it... We named it... While you're looking for the name, yeah. it's it's a an event open to everyone, not just people in men living. Correct. Oh, good. Anybody and everybody. Um, men living presents getting to zero. How to listen during and after conflict with author Jason Gaddis. And we have a really cool format set up. So I hope you all decide to, um, zoom in with us because Jason's going to be on asking, answering your questions and, and doing all that good stuff. Todd, I have a question about your microphone. Yeah. You, the way that you have it set is when you look down, you mm -hmm. talk into it, but when you look at me, I can't, there you go. Is that better? Yeah. Now you're at the same but place. But now I can't see my page. That's all right. I'll figure it out. Okay. Just because it changes sound quality. Got it. All right. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks, sweetie. You're welcome. Um, and then we have done the Zen Parenting Conference for um, four or five times. Five years. And we had a man named Jamal Cole who spoke at one of our conferences. He spoke the year that uh, Glennon and Abby were with us, so two years ago. And at the time, I would consider him a community activist, but now he's running for... Uh, Congress. Congress. House representative of his area. And he got shot at last week. Uh-huh. Um, he was not hit. Um, he actually was shot and struck a few years ago. So this is the second time. Third time. Is it third? So when Todd and I met him and asked him to be part of the conference, we had coffee with him and just kind of had a nice discussion about his experiences and how he became an activist. And he started an organization called My Block, My Hood, My City. And he told us that he had already been in two kind of... Um, scary situations where he was shot at um, and he was not hit. Or, no, maybe he was once. I feel like there's a bigger story there. But regardless of those those stories, he was shot at again last mm -hmm. week. And he posted something on his social media that I think, I'm just going to read a quick blurb of it. 
He says, to all the young men that are out there in the field, in trenches, and at war with the opposition, whoever shot at me yesterday, I love you. I want you to hear that loud and clear because for some of you, you only hear that in the quiet. You hear those words said by people that that are dead and not with us anymore. You hear it whispered by mom, sometimes dad, but you don't hear it loud enough. And he goes on to write this really heartwarming thing. And I, he's just, I don't know how to describe this man, but if I got shot at, I'm not sure that that's what I would be saying. So I just want to... He, uh, Jamal, with just knowing him and watching him and supporting him, he is someone who knows why he's here. He has a mission. It's continued to grow and expand to the point where now, uh, not only is he a leader in his community, but he, you know, he, he's could possibly be in Congress. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just, he has a clarity that I don't think a lot of people do. So, um, I just want to say, Jamal, we're thinking about you continue okay. to do the work that you're doing. And, uh, if you want to support, uh, his organization that he created, my block, my hood, my city, or support him in running for Congress, um, the sh- the links will be in the show notes. Great. Um, all right. And sweetie, you do a Zen Parenting Moment once a week. This one you called Ever Developing Self. Yeah. And um, it started with a line called, uh, from a movie, uh, from a movie, from a song called Change by Blind Melon. And the line is this, but I know we all can't stay here forever, so I want to write my words on the face of today. But I don't say that as well as Shannon does, so I'm going to let Shannon speak for himself. Okay. Sweetie, why did you write this moment? Because uh, last week, Cameron um, texted me a like one of my social media posts from a year or two ago that was super. She was like, "This is so cringe," and it was like I had posted like a picture of Smokey eating parsley, and I wrote something like, "Watching my rabbit eat makes me feel calm," and it's just something cheesy as hell. And she was like, oh, my God, Mom, this is cringy. And so we just kind of went through a bunch of things I had written years ago. Mm-hmm. And and it's not that any of them were bad or lies or anything. They just really aren't something I'd write today. Yeah. And so I was just – it. so we had good laughs about it. But I realized that we do this, right? Like we look back at pictures of ourselves from 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and we're like, oh, my God, look at my hair or look at, look at my outfit or look what I wrote. And – we're just being ourselves that day, Mm -hmm. right? So there's no way we can be like, I'm never going to let that happen. Like in the 80s, I loved my hair. It was huge. It was great. I used like three curling irons. I used a lot of white rain hairspray and I was great. But when I look back, I'm like, what was I thinking? Like what's happening? But you you can't live your life in the hopes that you won't look back and cringe. Yeah, like for today. Um, I'm guessing I'm 49. The 59 year old version of myself is probably gonna be like, so huh. what were you thinking there when you said that, or you did that, or you wore that, or you looked like that? 
So yeah, so we're, we're in it right now. Our ever developing self is, I think if we have an understanding of that's exactly how it's supposed to be, that we're supposed to evolve and change and grow. We're not supposed to be the exact same person we were 10 years ago. And if we are, then that's probably a problem. Mm -hmm. Like we're supposed to be growing and changing, maybe not com becoming completely different people, but having a new awareness. Yeah. I mean, that is what growth is. Yeah. So that's why I wrote it. Thank you for writing that. And if you uh -huh. want to subscribe to Zen Parenting Moment, go ahead and just click on the link in the show notes, just like everything else we talked about I today. actually had a, um, a friend, somebody I know, uh, they texted me and they said that every single Zen Parenting Moment they get, they send to their son. Mm. And then she said they don't always discuss it, but she's like, it's every time I get it, I just send it to him yeah. and he hasn't complained. So I thought that's great. Like if you want to, if you subscribe to Zen Parenting Moment and then it can be a discussion with your kids, wonderful. Awesome. Um, what are we talking about today? Well, you know how a couple of weeks ago we talked about CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, yes. and we talked about the process and why people do it. And if you haven't, if you, if you didn't hear that show, it was two weeks ago. So whatever that number is, Todd. Give, give me some subtraction. Um, well, it's 625, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to talk today. I, I was, I'm actually reading a book for someone who had, they haven't even published their book yet. 624. Sorry. 624. So they haven't even published their book yet. I'm just reading it and um, really appreciating what I'm reading. But she, one of the things she talks about in her book is how CBT has limitations. And she, she talks about that one of the major limitations to CBD is that it doesn't train people to understand how their bodies contribute to thoughts and feelings. Mm -hmm. So it's like sometimes when we're focusing on CBT as a therapist, and again, cognitive behavioral therapy is the ability to help someone recognize how their thoughts um, are not telling them the truth mm -hmm. and how to like kind of shift the way that they're thinking or give them a new perspective or give them different language or help them with how to see something more clearly. But what it doesn't tap into is the body-based reasons that were challenged. Well, and I'm just kind of realizing this now, that CBT is cognitive, cognitive. behavioral mm -hmm. therapy. So cognitive for me means the brain. Correct. And I think where you're going is that there's some that right. and maybe we can also focus on whatever it is that we're going to talk about today. Correct. Like we're not going to throw CBT under sure. the bus. I, I find it to be, when people are asking me for a therapist, when they're like, can you recommend someone? If I have to kind of go research other people, I look at that as being what, like when I see that somebody has an understanding, a specialization in CBT, I find that to be a good thing. Mm -hmm. But I also look for mind body mm -hmm. things. I look for people who do EMDR or mindfulness based or, um, somatic, you know, mm -hmm. I'm looking for kind of a mixture sure. of both. Um, because I find that to be like kind of a, a system then that the therapist has developed where they're looking for a bunch of ways yeah. to support somebody. But so let's talk about, um, you know, what we just said, like, so if CBT is a mind-based solution and it uses the power of thoughts to change feelings, then body-based theories or therapies, I should say, use the power of feelings to change thoughts. Mm -hmm. So the mixture of both, I think, is is ideal. We need both, so right? So in other words, we tend to weigh heavily in the therapeutic. When we think of therapy, we think of the old school of laying on the couch and telling, talking to your therapist. You know, I'm talking like right. 60s, 70s, 80s. You're talking whatever. like Freudian psychodynamic yeah, theory. Yeah, that's Um And 
now, I think, what you're suggesting, which is not dissimilar to what we've talked about a lot, which is feeling your feelings, allowing them to be expressed, but we're just going to take it into a slightly different place. Well, I think one of the things that I've really been enjoying more so in the last year or two is how sometimes you and I are talking about certain things and they sound so new or different or esoteric in a way where, where it's like, oh, wow, this is so new. And then you find other language where someone's like, oh, I've always known mm. that. I'm like, that's what we're saying. Yeah. Like this, there's nothing new under the sun, yeah. right? So I guess what I'm saying is when we talk about, let's, you know, you've been, you talk a lot, Todd, about how one of the things you've really learned is how to get back into your body. Mm -hmm. So I tend to be very body focused. Everything yeah. is very body focused for me, even though I still um, obviously have to work with my cognition. It's not that it's not important, but you've had to really learn how to get out of your head and get into your body. And so you do the practice of where am I feeling this? Yes. And that's something that's important to you in men living. You yeah. know, where am and, I feeling this? And it's something that comes very, I, I judge very naturally to you. Uh -huh. Um, whether it's the way I'm hardwired or trauma growing up, it does not come as naturally to me. So I, I, I need to do other things to feel into my body in a way that I think it, tell me if you think I'm wrong. I don't think you need to work as hard to feel your feelings in your body as I do. No, not yeah. at all. And it is a, um, a blessing and a curse, right? Yes. Because I also feel other people's stuff in my body. Mm. So I also can walk into a room and get a stomach ache and I can also be like, I'm feeling like the energy pressure of people. And, and I don't walk around blaming other people. Mm -hmm. This is my body having the experience. And there's a lot of levels of understanding to know why that happens. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like a, it, just like yours is because you can be in your head, you can compartmentalize things and you can be really stable in difficult situations. Because sure. your body doesn't, isn't reacting to yeah. what's happening. So we have to remember when we're talking to each other, working with each other, loving each other, that it isn't, there isn't a right way. There's not a right and wrong. So I don't know, this may or may not make sense. Kathy and I are riffing off this. We haven't really talked about this yet. So we're talking about it with you all on the podcast. Um, there's IQ, uh -huh. there's EQ, uh -huh. and there's BQ. Body intelligence. At least that's how it's been taught to me. Not I, B.O., sweetie. Not B.O., which I have plenty of that, too. <laughs> and I feel like um, maybe the EQ, and I know we want to talk about body sensations, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but maybe the EQ is the bridge between the IQ and the BQ. Yeah. Like, if if I'm feeling, if my stomach is upset and I'm my stomach is, like, gurgling and churning because of... I just got um, a bad review from work or mm -hmm. whatever, and I feel very scared. Like th the BQ is, oh, right now my stomach is twisting and turning, and there's a lot of discomfort there. And then the IQ is, oh, I just got a bad review from my boss. And the EQ would be um, making that. meaning yeah. from your stomach sensations. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's the case. I yeah. think like I don't think people talk about BQ, but I think that the idea of tapping into your body and understanding what you're feeling or let me say that again, tapping into your body then recognizing where is that coming from? What is the feeling I'm having? And then the EQ that comes into play there, like you said bridging the gap here, is that EQ is having an understanding of so many different kinds of feelings and why. Mm -hmm. EQ also is about self-awareness, like why does something trigger me? Why does this bother me more? Um, and the why doesn't have to be resolved. It just needs to be understood. So let me, so 
this is kind of an experiment in real time with me. Like sometimes I'll be like, oh, I'm feeling sad right now. And I'm BSing whoever I'm talking to. I'm not feeling sad. I am think I'm having thoughts of sadness, like whatever. My friend's dog dies. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm feeling some sadness right now. That I'm really, you, most of the time I'm not. I'm like, oh, there's a cue. There's a stimulus that I should probably be sad. So I'm going to go ahead and tell whoever I'm with. I, I am feeling sad when, in fact, I'm really not checking my body to see if I'm feeling the sadness. Well, this is what I'd say if you're talking about someone's dog died, Mm -hmm. is that this is where we get into this like differentiation of what what empathy really is. Okay. Because so let's just first just to make this clean, differentiate differentiate between empathy and sympathy. Empathy is the ability to kind of feel into Mm -hmm. something and recognize truly Mm -hmm. how someone's feeling. Sympathy is a little more standoffish, like, ooh. You know, I see you're sad, but I'm not going, but I'm not going there. So with that empathetic response, so we're getting sympathy out of the Mm. way here. The empathy response that you're having is it's okay that you're not feeling sad that their dog died because it wasn't your dog, Mm -hmm. but you can tap into a time in your life where, and this could be a cognition. It Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be in your body where you've been like, I remember when I lost my dog, I know that was sad. So this person's emotional response makes sense to me. If you try and go, this is where we get into where empathy can be a a hindrance. If you try and be like, I'm going to feel like them Mm -hmm. because they're sad, then you may not be helping them because you're bringing yourself down. Well, and I don't feel like it would serve them for me to feel everything they're doing. But I do think that um, maybe it's like one or two layers removed sure. because it's not my dog, but somebody I love just lost their dog. Sure. So I, where, where I'm at now in my evolution of how I talk about myself, my feelings, my awareness, just in the last few weeks, I, I now catch myself saying, oh, I'm feeling sadness. I, I instead say, I'm, I'm having thoughts of sadness. Or I'm understanding your sadness. Because I'm trying to be as authentic as I can because I'm not feeling it in the moment. So I could either say I'm having thoughts of sadness or what you just said. I'm understanding your sadness. I'm understanding your sadness. Because sometimes, like, if you really want to offer that person support, you want to be pretty strong in that Mm -hmm. moment. You know, and again, we're really talking about something that doesn't affect you. Yeah. So in the day-to-day operation, you just care about your friends. So your ability to say, I can tap into that cognitively, Mm -hmm. but I'm not really going to go there. You're not going to like process through the death of your dog to get, you know, there's, this is like, um, uh, who was it who wrote the book about empathy? Paul Bloom wrote a book about empathy being like a hindrance Mm -hmm. because you know, he's like, we don't, you know, when we want to feel into things, you don't want your surgeon thinking about how it must feel yeah, to be you, right. right? You want your surgeon to be like, I'm going to help you and understand this, but I'm not going to feel into this. And this is where empathy has its like boundaries. Mm-hmm. So if you really want to help your friend understand, so yeah, I, yeah. I feel, or I understand why you're so sad. Like, I think I'm going to start saying that instead of, oh, I'm feeling, you know, whatever. So that's... Because saying I feel sad is a, is a lot. It's a lie. Yes. And I feel disingenuous. Yes. Understood. And I might even say, well, that's all another road that I would go to. So let's talk about feelings for a second. I want to like get back to the core of this because I think this, these, these definitions might help people understand feelings a little better because feelings are actually a series of body sensations, Mm -hmm. right? Feelings are purely physical. Mm -hmm. So if you're tired, you might like, you know, feel heavy eyelids, right? Mm -hmm. You might have a lack of energy. You might be sleepy. 
So let's talk about anxiety because Todd and I were just on a plane. We just came home from Vegas and I was like talking his ear off about all these things, this like understanding of anxiety. Anxiety is a feeling because anxiety is a bunch of body sensations like racing heart, you know, your hands sometimes sweat, sometimes you get a dry mouth, a tight chest. So it's a bunch of body sensations all at one time, like, like you're dizzy, you're hot, cold, whatever. These are all body feelings. So anxiety is actually like a feeling that you're having. Right. But what we do, I've said it, oh, I'm anxious right now. Like if you, it, let's like, I think what, where we're going on this podcast is like, let's break that down. Yeah. What does that mean? And right. I think what you're saying is describe the body sensations of what it means to feel anxious. Right. And so let's then, because like you said, let's break this down. So let's talk about what a thought is. Okay. So to differentiate, thoughts are mental constructs, right? So they're like beliefs, perspectives, opinions, judgments. Thoughts may or may not have body sensations attached to them, Mm -hmm. right? Like you saying to your friend, I understand why you're sad. Mm -hmm. You're not having a body sensation. You just get it. Mm -hmm. So you may, you may, like you and I might think about our trip to Vegas this weekend and we might think about it and then have a feeling of like joy Joy, connected to it. We had got good laughs. We had such a good time. Um, or we might think about something really that's upsetting to us. Like, do you remember a couple months ago when we were, uh, you know, like we, someone we loved was struggling with something and we might get a pit in our stomach. Yeah. So thoughts can bring on feelings. Um, but so, so let's go back to CBD, CBT. CBT attempts to change feelings by focusing on thoughts. Mm-hmm. This can sometimes be helpful, but... We could also focus on our feeling to change change our our thoughts. thoughts. So it's like, let's reverse it. Correct. Correct. So like basically the question here is, this is kind of what we're getting to, is the next time, you know, all of you who listen to this show, you've been listening to us talk about these things over and over again for 10 years, right? And I just want to always offer something a little more like, okay, how can I take this to the next level? So the next time you are having a feeling, like a cognitive, like you are thinking to yourself, I'm having this feeling, check in to your body sensations. Mm -hmm. Now, this is like Todd saying, I check my body to see where I'm feeling it, but what are the body sensations trying to communicate to you? Like, and this isn't, you don't have to figure it all out in Mm -hmm. that moment. Like, Sometimes we're always trying to bring something to resolution or solution without just practicing the noticing, right? Um, Maybe start to like journal about these things because you can actually start to notice symptoms, like slow them down, feel them, tap into them. Like one of the things that I love about EMDR, um, which I do with my therapist, is that when I'm telling her something that I'm struggling with, that's always her first question. Where do you feel this? Mm -hmm. And I usually feel it one of two places. Either I feel it in my heart Mm -hmm. or I feel it in my stomach. And then she'll be like, okay, just focus in there. Mm -hmm. Because it's almost like the visual I get is the feeling is living inside of that part of your body. So it's either showing up as a sadness and a grief in your chest or it's 
showing up like you're not feeling in your integrity or in your sense of self, which in this gets into like my book, my Zen parenting book, where I talk about the chakras. Like these are the places where you feel these things, these energy centers in your body. So what usually happens to me, can't speak for anybody else, is I have, this all happens in my brain. Mm -hmm. I never pause. I never check my heart, my chest, my throat, uh-huh. my shoulders. Uh-huh. And so I judge that I push it down. And I feel like these body sensations or these feelings get wound up and they're not allowed to be expressed. And when you don't allow your body to express the emotion, it turns inward on itself and it could create stress, anxiety, dis-ease. So for me, what, what my hope is for myself is to pause and really try to locate it and feel it and allow it to be expressed in a healthy way. Right. Like this, and, and this is just, I think like, what's the whole purpose of this? Like, why are we even talking about this? Because we still think our thoughts or it's this, I'm, I'm trying, I want to differentiate between them. We still consider our feelings to be a problem. We still are like, I shouldn't be feeling that way. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be sad. I don't want to do this. And I think one of the things that is really important to me personally in my experience, my personal experience as a human, but also as a therapist who's supporting other people, is every emotional experience you're having, every feeling you're having is trying to help you. It wants to give you wisdom. It wants to help you work through something. It wants to help heal something. It wants to show you a boundary that's not, you know, you're not upholding. It wants to demonstrate to you why you're disappointed. It it like we are so fighting against ourselves. I wish I was better. Remember Tad when I when I started write drawing little like stick figures because mm-hmm. I wanted to draw cartoons, you know. I can be good at some things, but I'm not good at everything. Let's just let's just be honest. So it didn't work out for me. I'm not really going to start drawing stick figures, but I wish I could because that's how I see it. Mm-hmm. Like if we could like not fight against ourselves when we're having an emotional experience and if we can trust instead of mistrust our body, mm-hmm. like there is something inherently wrong with me, we can instead say, I'm trying to help myself right now. Yeah. What is it that I'm not willing to look at? And some of it, it's not about some big healing thing. Mm-hmm. It's just, I'm embarrassed that happened. Yeah. And for me, like when I'm talking to myself or one of my clients, pause, yeah. locate it. Where yeah. is it in your body? Some of the times I'm like, I don't know where it is. Say that. Right. I don't know. But at least you're pausing and looking at it. And then getting back to the wisdom of the emotions, usually when you're angry, that means a boundary needs to be set. Right. When you're afraid, something is out there and it needs to be known. That's what fear helps us with. Yes. Um, sadness means something needs to be let go of. Yes. Joy means something be, needs to be celebrated. Or sadness can also, sadness I feel like is one of those umbrella words where it could also be disappointment. It could also be, um, you know, like it, sometimes it's let go, but sometimes it's just embarrassment can fall under sadness. Like you just need to recognize that was hard. Each one of these has so, so many, many other, words. So yeah, I've done them. this, but for yeah. fear, so there's low level fear, medium level fear, and high. So low would be concerned, guarded, hesitant 
hesitant. Medium would be apprehensive, edgy or jumpy, and high would be frightened, frozen, or panicked. Yes. Like in each one of these there's emotions, so there's words. an umbrella of other words from low all the way up to high. So let's do right now EQ, emotional intelligence 101. Let's talk about why is it so important to talk to your kids about all sorts of feelings words. Like when our kids were really little on the fridge, we had this big poster of every feeling word you can think of. So why would a parent do that? Because you need to have, it's so valuable for children to understand all these different different levels of feelings so they can tap into a word that represents what they're experiencing. This is why words are helpful to us. And what you're describing right now is what I would call emotional literacy. Right. It's, it's being literate. Right. Like what is the word? Right. And then when you get to emotional intelligence, that's when you locate it and can you express it. But it has to start first with literacy. literacy. Exactly. That's exactly it. Thank you, Todd. So let's take this to another level. Before you do that, can yes. we talk about our partner of the month? Sure. We're going to talk about our partner, Let It Be Us. And what they do is they inspire foster care and adoption. So the month of November is actually National Adoption Month across the United States. And National Adoption Month has been celebrated for over two decades in an effort to raise awareness about the thousands of teens currently in foster care who are waiting for their own permanent and loving families. Our sponsors and friends, Let It Be Us, are recruiting families in the state of Illinois who are committed to supporting teens and their success. Their new initiative is to help young people ages 16 to 24 who are currently in foster care in the state of Illinois. Let It Be Us is committed to recruiting new families, helping them secure a foster care license, and then being there to support the family in any way possible. So you might be asking yourself who can join. Anyone who is a good citizen and wants to help a child, has a really big heart, and is in a desire for serious commitment and a deep connection. If you want to learn more, go to letitbeus.org or go directly to the show notes where you will find a link to the site and a link to a podcast where we talk to Let It Be Us and a family who experienced a foster care success story. Okay. So let's then talk about, let's bring trauma into this. Okay. So I wanted to talk about, I actually wanted to, I found a great, okay. This is such a great quote. Okay. This is, and I've got to give the this is not my quote. This comes from uh, Dr. Peter Levine, okay? So the quote is that trauma is an internal process. It's not, it is kind of a long quote, but I'll get to the gist of it. Trauma is not what happens to us, but what we hold inside. Mm -hmm. So here's the key. Trauma is your brain's inability to process and metabolize information. So it's like trauma, this is, this is what I was telling Todd on the, in the car, it's like indigestion with food. Mm -hmm. It's like you could one day eat Lou Malnati's pizza mm -hmm. and your body digests it just fine. Mm -hmm. But one other day you might eat Lou Malnati's and because of all sorts of other things going on, you're overwhelmed, the people you're with, where you are, your body doesn't know how to process that food. Yeah. And so it becomes, it's like, it, and that's what happens to us sometimes emotionally is we may say, why was I able to handle this two weeks ago, but today I can't. And it feels more like a traumatic kind of injury. Yeah. It's because of a multitude of things. So it's like trauma can be caused by anything that exceeds your brain's capacity to process it. Yeah, um, that's really good. So for me, my interpretation of what you just said, it's almost like it gets, this is an oversimplification, 
but it's a feeling or an experience that gets stuck. Your brain is overwhelmed. Doesn't get exactly. Doesn't get fully resolved, so it sticks around. Exactly. Sometimes a day, sometimes a generation, sometimes a decade. And you know, the the more that we can be emotionally intelligent, emotional literate, then we are putting ourselves in a position to not allow the traumas to stick around for longer than they need to be. And so can you understand why children, if they see something, maybe before they understand what it is, Mm -hmm. their brain doesn't know how to process what they've seen. Mm -hmm. And so that can become, it can get lodged somewhere in the brain as something too much, Mm -hmm. too overwhelmed. And the key, the thing that we have to understand about trauma, because anytime we're talking about trauma, it scares the crap out of people, right? Where they're like, this means something horrible we're never going to get over. This is not true. It's even healing trauma is an internal process too, where if we can figure out ways for our children to talk about the experiences they have and we can help them find a place for it where it's like, no, no, this wasn't your fault or what you saw wasn't something that you did. Like one of the stories I told in my, in my first or second book, I talk about how my daughter, um, someone had told her that if a dog licked sand out of her hand, that a dog would die. Mm -hmm. And a dog did indeed lick sand out of her hand. And so she was freaking out about it. And we were able to, in that moment, deconstruct that where I said, that was not true. A dog can lick sand out of my hand. Anytime I had a dog lick sand out of my hand, Mm -hmm. like we completely broke that down. But if I hadn't had that conversation with her, because her brain was overwhelmed by this information and she didn't have any other information, her brain would have stored that as a truth. And it wasn't true, but it would have traumatized her. So someone might say, well, that was dumb. Mm -hmm. But in that moment, that's all the information she had. So her body then stores it. And then how does that show up? Who knows? She could have been afraid of dogs, allergic to dogs. She could have walked around feeling like she had harmed something. She could have felt like she was you know, didn't understand how to take care of well, them. And then our daughter might start navigating her world through that lens around yep. or, or including this information that she might think that, you know, dogs licking sand out of your hand. So then all of a sudden she'll adjust based upon that because it was left unresolved. So listen to this. So it says, so this is something else that, um, from Dr. Levine, when you don't know you have trauma, it's impossible to move past it, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't even know you have it, if you're not convinced that you have trauma, these are some of the indicators. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Signs mm-hmm. of unresolved trauma, indecisiveness, over-apologizing, difficulty saying no, ADD or OCD, people-pleasing, perfectionism, mind racing, difficult relaxing, hating surprises, procrastinating, feeling lazy when you want to be productive, inability to stop working when you want to rest, exaggerated startle response, like you're always jumpy, difficulty enjoying sex, difficulty enjoying food without guilt. Mm. Okay. All of us have at least some of those. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And and again, remember that trauma it just means too much, too fast, or too soon. Mm-hmm. Like you your brain just got too much, too fast, too soon. So we can start to that word, even though it's become kind of like gaslighting where yeah. everyone's throwing it around, if we really do understand that it's not just about being in a war zone. It's mm-hmm. not about being physically abused. It's not those things can cause trauma. But it's any experience we've had where we just got it too fast, too soon, and our brain got overwhelmed. Well, and I'm trying to think about this. Um, I've heard that one of the most traumatic experiences that most of us have experienced is birth. Mm -hmm. Like coming through the vaginal canal, it's like a, you know, you're in your warm, warm, cozy, you know, stomach in your mom's belly. 
And then all of a sudden you have to take this journey out Mm -hmm. into the world. And I think it's, um, it can be described as a traumatic experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's not like we're trying to remove, like it's part of being human to get, to have certain experiences. I think what you and I are talking about is how do we then deal with them, whether it's when we're on the first day that we're on this earth or last week when somebody, you know, did something that could cause trauma. Well, and I think, you know, the reason why I think it's important is because we're connecting to body sensations, right? The thing that we were talking about, the reason we started this is some feelings are body sensations. Mm-hmm. And we have to understand that sometimes we're having a response to something that's a little over the top. Yeah. Like we're having a body, like a, you know, a, what's one of mine that's history. Okay. So when my girls were really little, if they would be sick from school, like they couldn't go to school, I would have a really over-exaggerated response, yeah. like a body response where I was super, I'd feel very anxious. I'd feel very afraid and you'd I be could like, not explain yeah, it. Yeah. You'd be like, um, can we really have this kid miss her Tuesday kindergarten class? And I'd be like, yeah, we right. can. And and so Todd could, and, and I know you're not really making fun of me, but you could be like, you're, this is ridiculous or mm-hmm. there's something wrong with you. But I was having a, an experience that, and I don't even know if I could really explain it all to everybody right now, but there was something that I had connected to school or not going to school that I think had to do with my history. Mm-hmm. My parents were both teachers. Me not going to school was kind of a big deal mm-hmm. because they could not stay home with me, or if they did, they had to get a sub. Yeah. It was like a whole thing. So I had like wound up in my body that not going to school was a problem. Even though I was staying home, even though the experience was different, my body perceived it to be the same. Mm -hmm. And so somebody, and, and I'm saying this to partners, when you are talking to your partner and they seem to be having an exaggerated response to, to something, telling them that they're ridiculous or this is, and Todd didn't do this by the way, but telling them they're ridiculous or this is dumb or what's wrong with you isn't fair. Well, and if you think about it, anything traumatic, and I just looked up the definition of trauma, a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. Right. Like, yeah, also known as being a human being. Right. Many times rationality does not go hand in hand. Like if you're trying to... Rationality is brain. Right. And feeling is body sensation. So when somebody, like if if Kathy is is worried because our kid might miss kindergarten, for me to hit her over the head with logic is probably not... I mean, it's not that it doesn't belong, but first you got to connect with their feelings and then maybe you can you know, nudge your way into logic. But if you start with logic, it's it's probably going to make the person dig their heels in more, don't you think? Yeah, I think starting with compassion is key. Yeah. Like, I don't really understand the experience she's having, and so let me ask her, where are you feeling this, mm. or can you connect this to anything, or tell me about why you're feeling this way. And then you can get into, and again, I don't, CBT is something that, you know, therapists, trained therapists should be doing, but you can get into a CBT kind of thinking where you can talk about, is this true in this situation? Mm -hmm. You can start to question some of the thoughts and maybe that can shift some of the feelings, but to first recognize that they're having a body response and that they're, they're reacting from a place that they don't logically understand yet either. Mm -hmm. And that is compassion for somebody's emotional experience. 
I'm actually, I'm having so many ahas right now about a few people in my life. I've been super judgmental about their emotional response. And I'm like, they, they're not doing it on purpose. Mm -hmm. Their bodies are, you know, are having an experience and they need to discuss that first. Can I ask you an unrelated coaching sure, question? Sure. One of my biggest challenges as a coach when I coach guys is they'll bring up an experience and I'll invite them to drop into their feelings or their heart and talk about their experience. And they'll be like, well, I was mad at my wife last week when this incident happened, but I'm not, not mad right now. Mm-hmm. So how does, you know, and I don't know if this relates to the parents that are listening right now, but I honestly struggle with, how do I help that person if they're not feeling that feeling in that moment? But see, that doesn't make any sense to me because if they can, um, like, for example, I'm thinking about EMDR, mm-hmm. okay? So you can actually talk about something that happened when you're four years old and say, okay, that was, you were upset with this person mm-hmm. when you were four years old. Now go into your body. Where are you feeling that? So if someone you're coaching is like, well, I felt mad last week, but I'm not mad right now. You can say, but when you were mad, yeah. can you go back to that moment right now? Your wife and said And they would either what? say yes or no. Right. And, and if they chose not to, yeah. I think there is that there's two parts. They've either not practiced body awareness mm-hmm. enough where they're like, Todd, I don't mm-hmm. know what you're talking about, or it's a protective mechanism yeah. is I'd rather stay in my head. Yeah. I don't want to be emotional. And part of, I think the problem for people is they don't want to go back into an emotion because they don't trust they can handle it. Mm-hmm. Or they don't feel safe enough to share it. Right exactly. Now. It's too vulnerable or, you know, like I have a girlfriend who anger scares her so much because mm-hmm. she really feels like if she gets angry, she'll lose control mm-hmm. and she likes control. And so, but what, you know, you, and you and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago about that. It, it was in regards to one of our daughters, but you have to sometimes be in the position where you have to test that hypothesis Mm -hmm. if in a safe way. Like I'm not saying we should all go out there and just try something willy-nilly, but sometimes we have to be like, well, I'm going to – I am angry. How can I process this in a way where I feel safe because I will never be able to figure that out unless I actually tap into Mm -hmm. anger. Do you see what I mean? And sometimes we need support to do that. Well, and, you know, you bring up control. That's a whole other thing because to feel feelings, I think, can make one feel out of control. Right. Because if I'm in my head, that's a safe place. I love my, my head. Right. I can I can spend months in my head and I because I have control over that. Whereas if I start feeling my feels and feeling my sadness, my anger, my joy... That's a vulnerable, scary place to be. It is. I actually, I wrote something down that I don't know who to attribute this quote to, but I just found it on all these notes I was making. So we're talking about self-compassion, like Mm -hmm. what you were just talking about. Genuine self-compassion is a daring quest to know every corner of our inner world. Mm -hmm. It's to befriend all the parts of ourselves. Genuine self-compassion requires you to refuse to abandon even the most shadowy parts of yourself. Mm-hmm. So all, so, but this is the thing, all behaviors are not acceptable, right? but all parts of you mm-hmm. are valuable. So like, okay, I'll give you an example. Part of my shadow, I resolve by going to Vegas. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cause there are parts of me that, um, I really need freedom and I really like staying up all night. And I, and and when I say this, let me be, let me finish saying this, Todd, before you correct me. Mm -hmm. And I like having a drink and I like 
that people are gambling and I like loud music and I, there's all these parts of me that are real, okay? A place like Vegas allows me to explore all those parts. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting is I just said the sentence and I want to be able to stay up all night. Todd, do I ever stay up all night? No. But the idea that I can frees me and I become, instead of looking at it and saying these people are bad or this is debauchery mm-hmm. or this is all, we should all be better than mm-hmm. this. I'm like, I feel free here. Well, in your day-to-day life, y- you are not free. I'm constrained. You have three yes. daughters. Yes. You have a work. You have work. Uh-huh. You have a husband. You have a community of My girlfriends. Mother. You have your mom. Yeah. And and there is a there is a Las Vegas version of Kathy. Yes. That lives inside of yes. Kathy all the time and has since I was young. Like you know, stories from the time that I was in pre adolescence. These were parts of me that like, and I think everyone has them, but I maybe explored them more than some people. So so we were just talking about like. Kathy and I love Vegas. We go about every year and we're like, what is it about this place? Mm-hmm. And you just kind of said it, but it never closes. It never closes. You can, if you wake up at three in the morning and you want to go play blackjack, you can do that. You want to go have dinner at 2 a.m.? You can. When I'm living in Elmhurst and it's two o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday, yeah. there's really not much I can do other than turn on the TV or sleep. There's there's no options. Like this morning, so you know, Todd and I had such a good time and we went to see Brian Adams, who we love, and um, we just, you know, we just had so much fun. And mm-hmm. then this morning we had to get up at 6 a.m. to get on a flight and we, you know, went downstairs and there is loud music play and there is there are people at the bar and there are people at the blackjack table and I'm just like pumping my fists, like mm-hmm. just go people, like it's 6 a.m. and they are doing that. And, and I wanna be clear. <laughs> Brian Adams first, and then I'll be clear. That's what we did, sweetie. We thought about our wonder, our younger we years. We did, and it was so fun. But what I was going to say is I know, like, here's, here's the rational part of myself. I'm talking about all the shadowy parts. I understand people have gambling addictions, and they should not be gambling. Sure. I understand that people have addiction issues, and they should not be drinking, and that everybody in the casinos is smoking, and that's hurting people. Like... For people who are listening going, that's horrible. I see all Mm. those things. But if I deny that there are parts of it that as a human being can be enjoyable, then I am repressing parts of who I am. Well, it's you use the word repress. The the definition that I use of shadow is anything that we hide, deny, or repress. I don't think you're hiding the Las Vegas version of yourself. Um I don't think you're denying it, but it is repressed because your life situation is not set up. Right. So So you need to give it room to breathe, even if it's once a year. And that's exactly it. As I was going to say, when you consider that 98% of my life is a pretty straight laced version of where I'm in my integrity, I'm doing good things for my body. I'm doing good things for you. I'm doing, Mm -hmm. that's the vast majority of my life. So every once in a while, I have to let air out of the the balloon and be like, we got to do something else. Like I have to be able to see these parts of myself. And, and the thing is, is why I brought up the part about we don't stay up all night is I give myself space to make these choices, but I don't choose it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, my family makes fun of me because I was like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to have margaritas. And I'm like, I'm going to drink margaritas. And I have two. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, even with all the freedom to do whatever I want, I have no kids. It's just Todd and I. And, and it's limited, but I'm not putting, I'm not drawing the line because I think I'm bad or shameful. Yeah. It's because I'm free 
and that's where that's all I need. Yeah. And so it's like a very um, and I understand why people can't do that. Like one thing I can't do anymore is smoke mm-hmm. because if I, cause I haven't smoked since my thirties, but if I did that again, that could be a problem mm-hmm. for me. So I understand some people who don't drink, they're like, sure. I can't go there. I understand that cause of smoking, but I, I also find, I mean, I, There's I think no, I'm saying this in a circle. All of us have our different versions. Right. There's some things that Vegas is a terrible idea for some people. Correct. For you and I and how we choose to navigate our life, Vegas is an important component to our marriage, yes. to our family, to give our girls an excuse to not be around their parents for a weekend. I know. We got home and our daughter, our youngest daughter, cleaned up all the Halloween decorations. That was awesome. I was like, could could we do that again? Yeah, let's go out of town again. So anyway, because where we are, Todd, I'm not going to continue talking yeah. about everything. I've got a whole nother page. But sure. I just think if I were to kind of summarize everything we just talked about, it's understanding that feelings are body sensations. Yeah. And if you can start there, I feel like we're starting from a better place than why am I feeling this? And I'm pointing to my brain right now, by the way, why am I thinking this? Why am I feeling this? And it's like, you're in the wrong place. Feelings aren't always rational. They're experiences we've had or concerns. We feel unsafe, even in a safe situation. I would even say, I think feelings and rationality, like they're two different languages. languages Like rational to me means brain synapses. Right. Whereas feelings are body sensations. So no, feel um, it's not supposed to be I know. that way. And so then can we understand why this was kind of an addendum or an addition to our CBT talk mm-hmm. is because CBT is super important, but sometimes we have to go beyond and we have to do more somatic mm-hmm. kind of therapies where we have to tap into our body and understand why going into nature changes our feelings, why going for a run or a walk or a hike changes our feelings, because it's not about changing our thoughts. It's about moving energy through our body. So it's like all of these things have their place and we don't have to choose one. We get to have access to all of them. So that's it. All right. Um, I want to say uh, thank you to Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald head of beauty. He does painting and remodeling throughout Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800. Um, don't forget to sign up for Team Zen. Uh, Jason Gaddis, December 13th, uh, Zen Parenting Moment. Uh, oh, the, the summit. We'll, we'll talk about that next week. And we're just going to plan to see that we're going to talk about something very exciting. Next week, Next yes. week. Um, keep trucking, everybody. See you next Tuesday. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are always grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen, pre-ordering Kathy's Zen Parenting book, or subscribing to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com. If you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we will talk to you again next week.